Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. And so again, we are in Acts 27. The voyage to Rome begins for Paul, and I'll be reading the entire chapter this morning. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramatium, we went, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Stilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian, sh- an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Sindus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmani. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lassie. Now there had been much time, now when when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they set sail, and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid. Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island." Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, and they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. 
And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten, and eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach, onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea, Meanwhile, loosing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, over the the past couple weeks, we have been seeing how God has been fulfilling his promise to Paul transitioning Paul from a ministry of traveling with the gospel to now he's going to take that and he's going to do what, what Christ had told him from the, from the beginning, that he would actually bear his name before kings for his namesake. And then, so as he comes into Jerusalem and he gets arrested for false, on false pretenses, right, and he's brought before um, the Romans and he's in jail, Jesus comes to him, if you remember that, right, and Jesus gives him encouragement in that, and he says... Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And so Jesus states that Paul was going to bear his name before kings and that he would ultimately make it all the way to Rome where he would, as we see in today's um, um, passage, he's going to bear it before Caesar. And so, and Paul takes him at his word. And so we see... So last week that um, Paul was able to, to speak, preach the gospel, if you would, to King Agrippa, right? And Agrippa ends it with, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul says, I, I would that you would be just as I am, except without the, the chains. Well, the next thing that, that happens then is um, that they begin this, this travel on to Rome. Back in 2020, in January 2020, we began a series on the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the church of Corinth. And we titled that, I titled that, series, Embracing Affliction. And um, because the, the theme throughout Paul's epistle is, is exactly that, is the afflictions that we and he have gone through and how we are supposed to embrace those things. And in chapter 11 of that, of that, le- of that letter, so chapter 11, it's not 11th chapter from Paul's, but from our perspective, you know, we've made that letter into a book. Okay? But he outlines then the afflictions that he went through with ministry, if you would. But in that, he states, and you can see I have it highlighted in red. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And then beginning at verse 26, you can see, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. What do you think Paul's trying to say? Say again? Rough life. life. But he understands what it's like to go through afflictions. He understands what rough times are like. He understands what it's like to walk through the perils of life. What's interesting about this is that Paul wrote this letter to the church of Corinth before the passage happens that we're going to read today. 
So prior to what we're going to talk about today, Paul's already been shipwrecked three times. He's already spent a night and a day floating in, in the water. Isn't it interesting that in the book of Acts, we don't read about any of that? Why? We've done this a couple times going through the book of Acts. Like, why, why is this in there? Why is this not in there? So why do you think we don't read about it in the book of Acts? Because God didn't want you to know about it. It wasn't important. It wasn't germane to the account at that moment. Do you understand? God doesn't want us to lift up Paul and be worshiping Paul. Does it make sense? The book of Acts, again, we call it the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of who? Of God. It's what God has done. It's what God has done through the apostles. It's what God has done among the nations. So in the beginning of that book, chapter 1, we read and, and talked about the purpose of afflictions. God begins this whole book through Paul, this letter, to the Corinthians, talking about the purpose of flipsis, afflictions, pressure situations. And the idea of us having these slipsis, this T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, these slipsis, okay, is in order that the God of all encouragement, the God of all comfort, the God of all consolation, depends on what your translation is, but it's parakaleo, to call alongside. So I like the word encouragement because you call somebody alongside you in order to encourage and put courage into them. And so the God of all encouragement does these things, allows these slipses into our life, these pressure situations into our life, in order that we might receive his encouragement. He might be able to place courage into us in order that we, having received his encouragement, might be able to do that for others in the world when they fall into thlipsis. And in that message, when I presented this, I talked about Rabbi Kushner's book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And I talked about how he emaciates God and says this is because God can't do anything about it. How sad it is. So you can go back and you can listen to the message. I did this week just confirm the things I'd stated in it. And um, it's a good message, even though I spoke it. You can still listen to it. Anyways, and so... Um, but the, the whole idea is that God allows us to have these trials and tribulations of life. You want to know something that's even worse than this? After family camp, when we come back, we're going to start a, a series on the book of James. It's the book you never wanted to, to, to study and, and, and teach on. Kind of all joy, brethren, when you fall into divers' trials. Anyways. So I'm warning you at a time, okay? So just, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, this animism thing about, you know, all the, but anyways, but so, as we study it. But anyways, but God allows trials, tribulations, flips us, pressure situations into our lives in order to present us opportunities. I appreciated your testimony, Gil. To provide us opportunities, little snippets, in which we might be able to place courage into others. And ultimately, that courage comes from God. Paul's going to be able to do it through the vehicle, if you would, through the venture of another shipwreck. So, sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this Mediterranean port, but not on that tiny ship. <laughs> but as the song continues and they talk about the, uh, the passengers and the crew, that's where we start our message today, because that's where the passage begins. It talks about, and we got on board. This is really kind of cool. And we got on board. Who's writing? Luke. Who's he talking about got on board? Well, Paul, Aristarchus, but who else? Forget the soldiers and prisoners right now. Luke. Luke got on board. Friends of Paul got on board. Paul's a what? He's a prisoner. Do you get it? He's a Roman prisoner. But he's being allowed to bring his friends along with him. Isn't God good? I mean, you just think, I mean, that's maybe a small little thing. You kind of read right over it. Every time I read it, I stop. That is really kind of cool. Not only that he was allowed to, 
But he had friends who were willing to. Now you think about that. Steve got arrested. And uh, yeah, he's being transported in the van. But they said if you, if you don't mind riding in the back of that transport van, you can go with them. To Seattle. Yeah, no, that's even good. So it's not as far as Seattle, but since it's a car, we'll take it that way. That's right. To take it, how many of you would sign up? To, you know, yeah. Would you, yeah. They go, I've never ridden in the back of a paddy wagon. I guarantee you when you're done, you probably say to yourself, why did I do that? Anyways. <laughs> but that's what his friends did. Anyways, kind of cool. But also on that boat, so we've got Paul on the boat. We've got Luke on the boat. We've got others, whoever they are, we don't know. Okay, we've got this man called Aristarchus, who is a Thessalonian. Okay, it's kind of cool. I don't know why Aristarchus gets the, the uh, a little mention there, but that's kind of a cool thing, isn't it? God knew who, who was on that boat. And Aristarchus goes down in history as the one who kind of hung out with Paul on this trip, right? And he survives. I mean, think about this. So everything we're going to talk about Paul, you can read about Luke, and you can read about Aristarchus, right? They go through this whole situation as well, okay? And also you've got these... Soldiers, including the centurion, who's in charge of all these troops, and the sailors who are on the boat, who, this is their living. So this is like when we talk about Peter, James, and John, and how the storm comes when they're in the, the Sea of Galilee, and they're all worried and that kind of stuff. And so when we get to the part where these guys are frightened, the reality is they've been on the water before. They understand these storms. And so when these guys are frightened, they're really what? Frightened. Okay? So these are the, the passengers that are on our thing, and they have this plan. What's the plan? Well, they're going to go along the coast of the province of Asia. So when it says along Asia, remember, it's talking about the province of Asia. That's where we talk about Asia Minor today, so Turkey and stuff like that. So they're planning on traveling along the, the coast. Okay? And so the word there, it says meaning to, literally talks about their expectations. So I want to stop here for a moment, because you woke up this morning. How many of you woke up this morning? Some of you are probably sort of looking at like, oh, We're going to say, I'm alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic. Anyways, okay. And so, but you woke up this morning, and whether you realized it or not, you had expectations today. They're probably different, other people and other things. And so you're here today. I don't know whether you expected to come today or whether your mom and dad said you're going to come or whether your spouse said you know you're going to go. Um, but you woke up with an expectation today, you might have expected to have certain food for breakfast. And you got the refrigerator, and it wasn't there. I was going to have, you know, not I wasn't going to have, because you know I don't eat much breakfast, okay? But let's say you said you're going to have eggs and sausage, but you got to the refrigerator, and there are no eggs. All of a sudden, your expectations are what? Dashed. Changed. Because now, all of a sudden, you say you have to make a decision for yourself. Well, I'm not going to eat it all. If I can't have my eggs and my sausage, I'm just not going to eat it all. Sometimes we act that way. Now, I'm using a mundane illustration, but you get what I'm saying. You have expectations. And sometimes when your expectations aren't met, you do what? Yeah, who said it? Say it louder. You pout. You throw a hissy fit. If it was our children, we'd say fits get spankings. But now we're adults, and so we don't... We, we don't have to say that, right? We can throw all of our hissy fits we want to have, and we get away with it because Glenn can't come to Grandpa and say, that's a fit, and I'm going to have to spank your butt, okay? And I'll say, yeah, do it. He probably would. Anyways, so you had to try. And so, so we say that. Or we realize it's an opportunity to change course, right? Well, they had expectations, they, they expected this to be a clear, smooth sailing thing, okay? And so they, they got on a boat that was heading to Adramidium, okay? Now, I'm making an assumption there because that's where the boat was from. So I'm assuming that it came down, it was loading up down in Caesarea, it's going to make a stop in Sidon, as we're going to see, and then it's going to continue on taking all of its cargo back up into the, that area, okay? It'll be dispersed into the Macedonian region and stuff like that. And so, because of the time of the year that it is, they want, to, they want to travel close to the shore. Now, I get that. I've spent 20 years taking men on fishing trips and stuff up in Canada, okay? And so, the one year, I remember distinctly, we came down, <clears throat> and we're coming down river regardless of what the weather's like. And so, there was multiple years we came down in storms. I mean, the 
you know, yeah. And, but the one year we came down, and it was a hailstorm. It was a hailstorm. I mean, guys all had the tarp, and they were hiding underneath the tarp. Coming, I mean, it was pelting, pelting, pelting. But I'm driving. And so I said, pelting, pelting, pelting. You know, I got my hat pulled down. I got my hand like this, but it's just still hitting my forehead, pelting, pelting, pelting. And so what do you do? Try to slide over as close as you can to the shore to try to find a little bit of a, a protection from the wind and everything else, right? Well, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they recognize where they're at. They recognize the time of the year, and so they're going to try to be as close to the, the, the thing as possible. They have their expectations. The problem is there was a problem with the plan. They went to Sidon. They stopped at Sidon. That's kind of fun as well. Again, we can take a little side comment there, and then Paul was allowed to get off at Sidon with his buddies and go have fellowship with other believers with the full trust that what? He's going to get back on the boat because he's a prisoner. Think about it. He's a prisoner. They're taking him to Rome to stand before Caesar. Off with his head. But they're going to let him go out in Sidon, knowing, knowing, already knowing. Paul always ha- already has the reputation with this centurion. Isn't this kind of cool? He's going to get back on the boat. So when they're ready, the boat leaves, right? And so they supposed they were going to continue, but God sent an obstinate wind to them. The wind was contrary to their travel. And it pushed them in a direction they weren't planning on going. Just a minor obstacle. We can deal with minor obstacles sometimes. I wonder how much cursing was on that boat at that moment when all of a sudden they're getting pushed away from the shore and pushed into the, into the Mediterranean again. Not frightened yet. Mind you, they're not frightened yet. They're just what? Re- redirected. It's not kind of fun. Do you ever ride down the road and all of a sudden you get a flat tire? And you were planning on making the, the travel all in one day? And now all of a sudden you've got to decide what? <laughs> Do I get a hotel or am I drive through the night? I remember driving through the night once, leaving at midnight. It was the first time I was in the military, right? Because you're, 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 uh, you're, what do you call it? Leave. Leave begins at midnight. And I was, a, I was a legalist, so I didn't leave till midnight. I didn't leave before, just in case I get caught. And so I left at midnight. I fell asleep going through Rock Hill. It was the last time I ever did that. Because I realized instantly that that could have been a worse venture than I wanted to have. Do you get it? All of a sudden, my trip would have taken a what? A major detail, like detour, like hospitals and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, say again? Or the morgue. Yeah. The morgue I could deal with because that just means I'm with God, you know? The worst part is I'm going to be at the hospital. I'm going to be, you know, anyways, we won't go there. So, so, yeah, I always think of the morbid side of it. So, but the reality is, in life, we don't like that. We don't like when detours happen. Things that change our plans. But God has a way of doing that, doesn't he? Do you believe that God is sovereign? Really sovereign over all the affairs of your life? Do you believe that God controls the wind? See, Jonah got on the boat because God told him to go to Nineveh and to preach the message of repentance to the Ninevites, but Jonah didn't want to do that. So Jonah decided he was going to go to Tarshish, which was like way out here in the Mediterranean over this way, and so he's doing the same thing that, that Paul's doing, but Paul's not running. Paul's actually going that way, right? And so he's going to flee that way, but God sends up a what? A storm, a wind. Remember that when we get to Euclidean, okay? That this one's just a small little wind, okay? So all the stuff we're going to talk about applies when we get to the big wind, Okay? And so he brings that up, and he stops the ship. What do the guys in the ship do? Same thing we're going to read about these guys doing. They lighten the what? The load. They start throwing everything off, and they can't still make headway. And they're, going to, they're, they're all frightened, and they're all falling apart. And so they, they decided they're going to what? Shoot dice and figure out whose fault it is for this to happen. Well, when they shoot the dice, who's the lot fall to? Jonah. He already told them it was his fault. 
when they were coming looking for him, he knew whose fault it was. There was no doubt in his mind. He knew exactly why the storm came upon them. Because the God that he served is the God of the heavens and the earth, and, and, and he was running from God, and God wasn't going to allow him. And now other people were dealing with the consequences of his sin while God was using the wind and the storms to divert him back to what he was going to do. Okay? Exodus 10, 13 and 19. Does anybody know what that passage is about? Nope, not. That's when we get to 14 and 15. 10 is when the locusts came. That was the plague of locusts. God brought a strong westerly wind and brought the locusts into, into Egypt. More locusts than they've ever seen, and, and they've eaten everything up. And so after they were done eating everything, God then brought an easterly wind and drove them back out into the sea. Isn't that kind of cool? So he brought this massive westerly wind. Brought this massively, and then he brought this massively easterly wind and drove them back out. God is in control of the winds. And then, yes, coincidentally, I don't know if it was Moses when he lifts up his arms, he was like, woo, you know. But when he lifts up his arms, there's a wind that comes, you know. But at that moment, he lifts up his arms and God sends a wind and it parts the Red Sea. And people can make all the, 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 statements they want to make about this and the land bridge and everything else and yada, yada, yada. And you know what? I really don't care. Because the miracle is the wind happened at the exact same time that Moses put up his arms to get it. And it was enough of a wind that it spread the, the, the waters apart. Why? Because God's in control of the wind. Psalm 107. This just gets to the fun part here. Because you got to understand I was studying this on Wednesday afternoon. Okay, I'm, I'm going through all this on Wednesday afternoon. So I'm, 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 I was studying, and I was preparing, and I'm, I'm in this section of the, of, the, of the message. I'll get to why that's important in a moment, okay? And so Psalm 107, verses 23 to 31, you could go all the way to 43, but I'm going to just read those. It says, Those who go down to the, deep, to the, go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they see the works of Yahweh in his wonders in the deep for he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They rail to and fro and stagger like drunken men and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to Yahweh in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to Yahweh for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Pretty cool stuff, huh? And then you get to Psalm 135, <laughs> 5 to 7, not 5 to 77. 5 to 7, for, says, for I know that Yahweh is great in our, our Adonai, our Lord is above all gods. Whatever Yahweh does, he what? He pleases. Whatever he wants to do, guess what? He does it. Whether in the heavens or in the earth, in the seas, in all deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. Now, while I'm studying, and I'm doing all this on Wednesday afternoon, I'm also looking ahead and preparing for knocking on doors. So I always you know, make sure that I'm, I'm going to check the weather and that kind of stuff so I can be coordinating with, with Steve and then potentially just, uh, John and uh, Jose. And um, if you're going to do it, you just need to let me know. That way I can make sure I, I talk to you. But everything's good. You know, I look at the, 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 the radar, and you guys have been here long enough. You know I love that part of the meteorology kind of stuff. And so I'm, I'm looking at the radar, and everything's cool. It's all clear. I'm looking at the, the hourly, all clear, no problem. I literally cut and paste those passages onto this piece of paper, and I'm reading and just meditating upon God doing this. Do you know what happened? The heavens opened up. Literally over my house. Literally, literally. Like I went to the radar. I went to the radar. And there's this little bitty thing that just kind of boop, comes up in it. And so I, shh, 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 over my house. Over my house. Do you know how cool that is? <laughs> we had to cancel door to door. You guys didn't probably get rain that day. But it, it poured over here. 
I mean, just all around my neighborhood. So if you drove over here, you probably saw on Wednesday that it was wet. It poured over my house in my neighborhood. And I, had a, and I went out in the rain in the front yard, and I'm looking at it, you know, because I'm in, in the distance. I can kind of see some clear skies and stuff. And I'm, and I'm praying, Lord, what, what's happening here? You know, are you stopping me? Because, man, I'm studying this. Is this of the devil? Is he trying to inhibit me? Because the devil doesn't want me to go knocking on doors. Should I be praying for you to stop this storm? Right? So please stop it because you're in control. You're in control of the heavens and the earth. And I just read this. You do it. You know, I don't know what to do. And it didn't stop raining. In fact, it got more. It started to get wider. And I went to my backyard. Because <laughs> you can't get the right answer in the front yard, so you've got to go to the backyard. Anyways. And I'm going in the backyard. I'm trying to look from that angle. You know, I'm like, I'm praying like, Lord, I don't get it. I'm looking at the, the, the radar. And I promise you, it is over my neighborhood. That's it. You know, and that's where we we're going to go. My, we were in my neighborhood knocking on doors. <laughs> and so finally I said, okay, God, I get it. We're supposed to cancel. So we canceled. At that point, we canceled. And so it, it was after 6. I think it rained all the way up to right at 6. And just after 6 is when it stopped. Anyways. Just, it's just so nuts. I get this. God is in control. That's what he told Job, right? Do you know where I store up the ice? Do you know how I do these things? You know what? And God can do it anytime he wants to just to knock your socks off. Or to redirect your plans because he has something else for you. But do we see it that way? We need to see it that way. We need to understand that the God of the heavens and the earth is sovereign over every affair of my life. He may give me desires. He may give me plans. He may give me purposes. But ultimately, I need to say, like we're going to study in the book of James, if the Lord wills, I will do such and such. They had their expectations. They had their plans. They had their purposes. They were going to do it the right way. They were going to come under right along the coast of Asia. Safety first. But God said, nope, I got other plans for you. I have an appointment in Malta. We'll get there next week. But I have an appointment for Paul in Malta. And I have an appointment for all you soldiers and sailors to see my provision and to see the confidence that, I, that, that my servant has in me. I want you guys to be able to see what faith looks like. Do you ever think of the fact that God's actually working with unbelievers and he's just using, using you in, in, the, in, the, um, in the path of them? That as a tapestry of your life, you know how the strings come through. You know, you got the ones that are coming horizontal, the ones that are coming vertical. That the tapestry of your life is interweaving with the tapestry of other people's lives. And God just happens to use your little thread to intersect with the threads of others. And he has a purpose for it. Do you live like this is a purposed life? Or like this is haphazard? Like, God didn't know what he was doing when he allowed you to be born to where you were born, to who you were born to, and then move you. Todd, I'm looking at you. I mean, I, I understand you were in Kansas, and it was your love. And God moved you to the abysmal armpit of the world of Augusta. I get it. I mean, John Denver's saying almost heaven, West Virginia, because if you go just a little further north, you get to Pennsylvania. I mean, it's just, you know, but I was brought down into purgatory, and, and I remained in purgatory. No, I'm just joking. But, but, but you, guys, you guys get it, right? And God redirects us and moves us where he wants us to be. And you can fight against it. You kick against the pricks, as he said to Paul. Or you can what? You accept it. Embrace it. Embrace it. Even if you consider it an affliction of the soul, you can embrace it because God wants you to use it for his glory. He's got a purpose for you to be where you are at that moment. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things, or it's the evidence, it's the substance of things not seen, it's the evidence of things hoped for. We know, we know. I hope you say that. 
that God is in control and he has a plan. Do we live it? Well, they wanted to get into Fair Havens. Protection, but Fair Havens wasn't necessarily Fair Havens, especially when it came to a storm. And so it was unsuitable, it was contrary for them to winter in. Why? Because as we're going to see in a moment, the storms are going to come this way. They're going to come from the Levant, okay, which is the, the ancient Near East um, Palestinian area. It's going to come that way, and it's going to drive that. And so they cannot be on the southern side of Crete. They need to, 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 to move in order to try to get to a, a more suitable spot. So we have these perspectives that go on. Paul, though, perceives that if they begin, if they leave this port, they are going to find trouble. Now, the word for perceive there, I've got is where we get our word for theorize, uh, theory and stuff like that, theoreo, okay? And so it doesn't necessarily mean perceiving like a vision. However, it can be used that way. So John 14, that's the woman at the well. That's a Samaritan woman at the well. And she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. In other words, I'm putting these things together. You know, I, I, I'm putting all these things together. So, so I don't necessarily think, because we're not told this, that God gave him a word, if you would. I think he just understands the time. When is it? When is it? What are we told in this, in this passage? What time of the year is this? Fall. It's the fall. How do you know that, Steve? But why? How do we know it's fall? It's after the fast. It's after the fast. Yom Kippur. It's after Yom Kippur. And so it's after the fast. And so I want you to think about it. How many of y'all have lived in Miami or Puerto Rico? Down in that area. Not in Florida, Puerto Rico. Daniel, I was going to pick on you right off the bat, but I figured Denise would be here. She's, she's not here right now, okay? Do you want to go out in a sailboat in October and say, I'm going to just take a trip? Without, so now you have Google Maps and that kind of stuff, so get rid of what you, understand what you understand, but now you don't have the, the meteorology stuff that we have today. Are you going to take a trip to the Virgin Islands? And why not? Hurricane it's hurricane season. You just know that. There's a certain time of the year, I mean, we know that, it's, we're getting into the hurricane season. I mean, even the, the, the rain that we had, really it wasn't from a, I don't think it was considered a tropical storm this week, but it was swirling off of the coast. That's where it came from, okay? And so it was just the same kind of concept, okay? I don't think they named it. I don't think it had the, the wind speed to be named or whatever, okay? And so we know we're getting into that season right now. Does that make sense? We're, and so all the prognosticators, you know, put out the how many, it's going to be a good season, a bad season. We're going to have this many bad hurricanes and all that kind of stuff. They don't know squat, okay? Do you know when, we, when we'll know how many bad hurricanes we have this year? After the season's over. That's exactly right. I, I can be 100% in my predictions in January, February, okay? I look back. <laughs> yeah, we had three, okay? And uh, they're going to hit here. I mean, even when the cone, you know what the cone means? You know when they're showing you the cone? You know what the cone means? We haven't got a clue. <laughs> okay? We, based upon this, the, all the things that we have studied, that based upon all the past storms, they've kind of gone this way. But it's no holds bar when it comes to a, a storm, right? So, so Paul is just looking at real, realism here. It's after the fast. We're close to the Levant. This is not a good moment. I don't have good feelings about this. I perceive, I theorize, that if we start this move, bad things are going to happen. Well, he's not the only one who gets to have a perspective or an opinion. Because you got the owner, the owner of the boat. He's the guy who has the investment. Remember, you got this is a lot of stuff on this boat, okay? And so he's looking at this port saying, look, this port will not stand a Levant, a Levanter, or a Euroclidon at that time coming against us. We'll be destroyed in this port. If we can just get ourselves over to Phoenix, now, probably bad location for Phoenix because of what we read in Acts 27, that it has an opening to the north and to the south, so it's probably closer to the edge right here, okay? And the idea is they want to be on this end, the western end of Crete, so that when the wind comes, they have the, the protection of the, of the coast. Make, does that make sense? And it's, you can see it's Crete, okay? And so... Compared to the world, it's not a what? It's, say again? There's not a lot of protection, but it's not a long trip. 
We're just talking about going around the edge of the island. We're not talking about trying to get to Rome at this point. I can't answer that. A three-hour three hour tour. Yeah, we're going to get that in a moment. Back to that in a moment. Yeah, a three-hour tour. That's good, John. That's exactly right. I hadn't thought about that. I've been weaving that thing the whole way through, you know, but yeah. Um, probably was. Now you got me. I'm, this, this afternoon, I'm going to be searching this thing. How long would it take? That would really be cool. And we start calling, you know, the, the Centurion Gilligan. Anyways, so, but the, the reality is, yeah, I mean, this makes total sense. Look, we can't port here. I'm the guy who's going to lose everything. So, do what you want, Mr. Centurion, but this boat, it's going around the corner. Centurion now has a decision. Think about it, right? Because he's on this boat that's heading to Adramidium, right? Adramidium. And so he's heading up there, okay? He's ultimately trying to get to Rome. And so now he has this boat that he has fare on, and it's going to leave. So he has to make a decision. So what decision does he make? Everybody on the boat. Boat's pulling out. We're all on it, right? So they all get on the boat. And what happens? Well, they begin to start off. There's a calm before the storm. Isn't that how life happens? There's a calm before the storm. Life is good. You may be living up in the mountains, head in the clouds. Problem with clouds is that it's like fog. I don't know if you've ever driven, you know, if you go like Pennsylvania, we go up to, from North Carolina into Virginia, and when you go into Virginia, you go into Fancy Gap, and when you go up in the Fancy Gap, it goes, potentially, many times, it goes up into the clouds. It's not a fun moment. If you ever talk to Tim, my, the, the, my son Tim, ask him about coming back from Pittsburgh, because they were uh, learner's permit. I had him and Ben with me, and we drove all the way to Pittsburgh and back, and his turn was driving, and we were coming down through Virginia, down the mountain, in pea fog soup. Yeah, I mean, it was like, and this is the place where they have the digital um, speed limit signs. You know, don't go faster, you know, like 25 miles an hour. But Jimmy, I know if you're listening, I apologize for this, but you know those truckers, they don't really care. They're making, they're making time, and they're coming down the hill. And Tim's knuckles are white, man, just white. Because you can head, head in the clouds, but guess what? Those clouds can turn instantly from being beautiful to being stormy just like this, in a heartbeat. That's what life is like. And so they, they had this calm wind, and they, you know, they just started breezing nicely. And they thought what? No, not, not yeah, oh, Paul's wrong. Yeah, of course. I don't know if at this moment that, that he's giving them the weight. He's listening to them. He trusts them. But as far as prognosticating the weather, nah, you know, whatever. I'm going to listen to the owner. Right? So they, uh, they got it. So they jump into the boat, and they start off. The problem is, the Euroclidon began. It probably already had begun. It just hadn't reached them yet. But they were about ready to be overtaken by this. The calm breeze turned into a terrible storm. And what's really interesting in this is it says that they were hit by a what? Wind. What kind of wind were they hit with? Good look at it. Say again? A violent wind, but from what direction? It's a head. It's a headwind. Yeah, so verse uh, 14, not long after a tempestuous headwind arose. What does your say? A violent wind, okay? It's a headwind that came at them. So it swirled. So it came at them, and then it swirled and hit them, okay? So think about it. Again, they're going just along the coast, but all of a sudden they're nailed with this thing. This thing's coming from the east to the west, okay, in a, but a northerly direction. So it's called a northeaster, okay, from that perspective. And it swoops back down on them, okay? And it drives them out to sea where they spend then the next couple weeks, in darkness, not knowing where they're going to be, and they wound up landing on the edge of a little bitty island called Malta. Again, we'll talk about that part next week, okay? It's the pearl that we want to talk about today. What happens in the midst of all this thing? First, you've got this inopportune wind. Again, I call it, quote-unquote, inopportune wind. Reality is it's what? 
God's timing. Now, do you think people on the island had a storm as well? I do. This is the time when I, 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 I always ask myself in, in my brain the balance between the predestination of God and the foreknowledge of God. Years ago, many, many, many years ago, um, previous church, we didn't have a whole lot of money for vacations and that kind of stuff. And so I was praying about it, and we found a place over in Myrtle Beach that would give a free stay to pastors, as long as you didn't go on a weekend. No, no, because that was their, their bread and butter. That's okay. And that's okay, because I was going to have to be back on the weekend and, and preaching anyway, right? So we went in October. October. <laughs> okay? It was in the 80s. It was warm. It was beautiful. But it was October. The beach was empty. I don't want any part of a beach in, in, in summertime. We, we, will not, we will not go to the ocean. Okay? I've shared that with family camp stuff. That's me. Okay? I'm not going to go there. I don't need it. I don't need sites. I don't need to be looking at that kind of stuff. Okay? And so whatever's the offer, I don't want. October, great. Make, make big sandcastles and everything. Even if it's cold and everything else, we didn't really care. We're making sandcastles. We're going to walk along the beach. It was in the 80s. It was beautiful. I was jumping waves with my kids. And I remember saying, God. And as I'm watching, we had this huge... Um, uh, Sandcastle. I mean, huge. And I, I got a video on how to do them. Anyways, and, and so, so I had a, a wall around it. I had an arch stairway coming out of it. And, you know, the seashells going it up. It was just beautiful. I had a moat around it and everything. It was beautiful. And it was out in the waves, out in jumping waves. And people must have had, it must have been a conference or whatever. Because there was a group of people just walking down in their business casual clothes down the beach. And they stopped and they're just kind of looking all over my, my sandcastle. It's really kind of cold. Yeah, it was mine. You know, tomorrow it's not going to be there because the wind waves are going to come and wipe it all out, you know. But I remember being out there at that moment saying, realizing that other people were enjoying this weather too. God, did you have me come this week because you knew the weather was going to be great? Or did you, are all these people being blessed by good weather because you're just blessing my socks off right now? That sounds a little prideful, doesn't it? But you know what? Some, I believe that sometimes. I believe other people can be, have residual blessing because of what God wants to do for you. And, 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 and predestination, foreknowledge, I don't, I don't know how they get together. I, really, I, I don't know how that plays out. I don't know how God works it. And I'm not going to tell you I know how. But all I know is at that moment, God blessed my socks off. Well, I don't know how it's playing out here, but God sends this storm. I think he sends the storm. That's what he says. He's over the storms. And so he worked it out that they would be right where they needed to be right when that happens so they'd be knocked off into the, 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 the Mediterranean. Do you believe that or not? Well, I believe he was. So what happens? The crew was, the crew, the crew, yeah, the crew was frightened. The crew was frightened and the ship was lightened, okay? Just like with Jonah, they threw out all the, the cargo. They're trying to lighten the ship, trying to make better headway to some place that they can get to, but they can't do it. And so they're all panicked. They're not eating. Paul stands up and tries to encourage them, okay? And so he sees that there is an incredible opportunity. Paul, remember, he's going through all this too. But what does Paul know? What does Paul, say again? He's going to Rome. Paul knows he's going to Rome. This storm can't stop me from getting to Rome. This storm's not bigger than God. Do you get it? Do you feel like the storms of life are bigger than God? No, that's exactly right, Glenn. They're not. God uses the storms of life to challenge me, to hone me, to, to help me to be a witness of his, of his grace and his power. His presence and his power, just as we said in the beginning. God is always with me. You've never left me. As in the song earlier, you've never left me. You've always been by my side. And he knew it. God was going to do what God promised. And so, it's an incredible opportunity. So he encourages them and exhorts them. The first one, he, his encouragement to them, the first statement is an admonishment. You should have listened to me. 
<laughs> Couldn't help it. Anyways, but you should have listened. That's true. It's a true statement, right? But he doesn't dwell on it. We should have, you should have listened to me. I saw it. It was going to come. So now you guys need to know that God has given me literally a vision. So another, he doesn't call it a vision. This one he calls a vision. That sent an angel to let me know that I was going to be in Rome. I was going to go before Caesar. And he also let me know that what? All you will be spared too. Are you starting to think about what the centurion's thinking about now? He didn't listen to him before, but now all of a sudden he's starting to listen, right? You're right. You did say this was going to happen. And now all of a sudden, you, and I'm sure they've had conversations, right? Multiple conversations. I'm sure he already knows that Jesus appeared to him when he was in the jail. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, we don't read it in the scriptures, but I'm sure Paul has been sharing all these things with him, right? So the centurion probably has so much background information. And now Paul does this. Wow. The ship's going to be destroyed, though. It's going to take weeks for this to be fulfilled. This is a prophecy. Think about it. If it doesn't happen this way, Paul's a what? Paul's a, he's a false prophet. He's a liar. The ship's going to be destroyed, but everybody's going to be saved. Everybody's going to be spared. That's declaration. Well, then later on, so now we have a couple, we couple weeks go by, right? Even at that time, they've been fasting. But now it's two weeks, and, and they been, haven't been eating anything, right? And so Paul stands up because he realizes that they're nearing shore, right? And he, first of all, he gives them a castigation. Well, what's a castigation? It's a, it's, it is a strong reproof. Because at this moment, how does it begin? Well, there are men who are trying to do what? Escape. That's exactly right. They're trying to flee the ship. They see, they theorize now, right? <laughs> they can see what, how the handwriting's on the wall. They got this one. This ship is gone, okay? And so they try to get down into the lifeboat, into the skiff, so, and, you know, fastest one gets the boat, you know, type thing. Paul sees them, and he yells to the centurion, and he says, no, if those guys leave, this boat's gone. Isn't that kind of an interesting thought process? God gave me a vision that all of our lives are going to be spared. But if you do this, God's not entitled to give you the blessing that he had promised. They were, right, understand, so some of the sailors, if not all of them, right. But still the point is, God still could spare them even without the sailors there. Do you believe that? Yeah, that's, that's hard, isn't it? Oh, now we're stretching God. No, I'm not stretching God. God can do whatever he chooses to do, okay? And so God says, you know, at that moment, through Paul, look, if these guys don't stay, what's really interesting is the centurion's response. What's he do? He cuts the ropes. He, he, he says, you guys get back on here, and he cuts the ropes. No one's leaving. He commandeers the boat at this moment. He commandeers the boat. I'm now in charge of the boat, and Paul's guiding it. Now, he doesn't say it that way, but think about it. Who just made the decision? Paul. Paul just made the decision. What's your influence like in people around you? Paul's just, he's ministering like you were talking about conversations, right? At the, at the Bible study and that kind of stuff. And like you have conversations with people at work and stuff like that. The reality is that we have these conversations all the time. Are they kingdom conversations? Are they things that we're just sowing seeds, sowing seeds, sowing seeds? And one day we don't know where they'll end. I still remember the guy who drove the forklift at the, the warehouse. If you've heard the story before, I apologize. But anyways, who got saved years later, and he goes back to when we're in front of my house, when he gets saved in front of his Jeep, and he goes back to the time when I was driving the truck, and I, I pulled the truck back in, and I had always a small truck, couldn't take the forklift into it, and so bumper to bumper, there was a, a size 10 hole between the bumpers, and my size 9 hit that size 10 hole, and I went whoosh, straight on down, and stopped by my thigh, popped back up, singing praise him, praise him, you know, and... um whatever it was, a praise song. And uh, I wasn't thinking, I just did it, right? But he told me that was the day, that was the moment when he knew everything else I said 
was true. It took a storm, a potentially broken leg. It wasn't broken. But he didn't know how it was going to play out. For me to pop back up, he says, he says, you're the only guy in this place who would have come up singing a praise song. He says, I'd have heard a whole lot of other things. And he wound up getting saved. And that's what he goes back to. You don't know what you're sowing in the lives of others and what God will use it and how God will use it, what God will bring about in order to use it to work in his life. Wouldn't you like to know a little bit more about the centurion after the fact? Did he get saved? I mean, I would. I can't wait till I get to heaven and find out, is there like a whole load, boatload of sailors and soldiers who are in heaven because of this moment? His example then, and he says, you guys haven't eaten, you need to eat. You need to eat. We're getting ready to be shipwrecked. <laughs> we're getting ready to be shipwrecked. Remember what I said? The boat's going to be destroyed. All you are going to be saved. We're going to get in the, in the water. You're going to have to have strength. You need to eat. That's what he's saying. It's just be pretty it's practical. You need to eat. And so what does he do? He took the bread. He broke it. He gave thanks to the Lord. And then he ate in their presence, in front of them all, on this boat, in the middle of this storm. I mean, a storm is raging, so don't, don't stop the storm at this moment and have them in a hall and all this kind of stuff. The storm is raging all around them. They don't know what's going to happen. The guys are fearful, and he's like, hey, hi, hey, listen to me. You guys need to eat. It's getting worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. That's encouraging, isn't it? The boat's going to be rammed. It's going to be destroyed. You're going to be saved, so you better eat. You better eat. Watch, guys. Let me watch, watch me eat my soggy bread. <laughs> you know? And he eats. And what do all the guys do? They eat. It says that they were encouraged. They had courage placed into them at that moment. Don't ever think you're not the person that can be used in that moment. It's God who uses you. Not you yourself. God allowed you to be in the situation that you're in because he wants to use you in that situation that you're in. Are you willing to be used in that situation? We read about Paul because Paul was. Do you get it? That's, that's the difference of what's happening here. Paul was willing to do it. Well, the soldiers then had to plan to kill all the, the um, prisoners. Why? Real quickly, Why? Good, exactly right. It's their own neck. If the soldiers escape, then Roman law, they're going to get killed, right? But again, the centurion comes in and says, no, no, Paul is going to be spared. And because Paul is going to be spared, all the prisoners are going to be spared. Remember, Paul said that what? Everybody is going to be spared. Don't you want to know about the centurion? Don't you? Think about all these decisions. Paul, he's looking at Paul now saying what? Can you imagine what next week? We'll wait till next week. Sorry. When you get the Malta and the snake bites and all this kind of stuff, and the centurion's got to be there watching this thing. I mean, I, I'm thinking this centurion becomes a flaming evangelist. After this. We just don't know his name. Anyways, but it's just so exciting to watch. I'm sure it wasn't exciting to live. But it's exciting for us later to read about how God is using Paul Luke, Aristarchus, remember those guys are on the boat too? And these other ones, living a life of faith in the midst of the biggest storm you can imagine. And God used it to draw the roughest of men, think about it, soldiers and sailors, to himself. Do you believe that God is sovereign over the events of your life? Do you look for opportunities for ministry during each quote-unquote situation that arises? Are you willing to embrace the storm that you are traversing and ask God to use it for his glory? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Father, thank you for you. Thank you for your goodness. And it's hard for me to say thank you for the storm. But Lord, we thank you for storms. Because knowing that you can use the storms in our lives and through our lives to minister to others. 
you know the ones I'm thinking of right now, Lord, who are going through storms. And I am helpless to have the words of life that are apart from your words, because your words are true. And it's your words that bring life. So God, I ask that the power of your Holy Spirit would encourage these individuals who right now, who are your children, who are going through just storms, pressure situations. Show them your mercy. Show them your long-suffering. Show them your, your courage and your consolation, your comfort, your mercy, your grace, in order that they might be able to be that in the lives of others. Thank you, Lord, for how you've done that in my life throughout the years. Lord, help us to be faithful. I don't look forward to what you might teach us through this, but I do look forward to what you might teach us through this. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.